Planning a mission trip for your group can be really hard, so we created a super simple process to make it easy. Learn more today at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to the Student Ministry Podcast. If you're a youth pastor, small group leader, college pastor, or even a parent, this podcast is for you. Whether you're looking for tools and resources or encouragement and wisdom, you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome in to the Student Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful city of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to this episode of the podcast. This is episode four, and I'm going to be diving into a great interview with a man by the name of John Nielsen. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. We talk about a variety of different topics, and John shares some great wisdom uh, in several arenas of student ministry, and so you are going to enjoy this. Before we dive into the interview, quick reminder to everyone about the importance of being subscribed to the podcast. Now, I know that some of you listening to this are most certainly already subscribed. Big thank you to you. Everyone else, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Whenever you are subscribed, it guarantees you never miss an episode because when you're subscribed, every episode gets delivered directly to your device. So do me a huge favor and do that. The easiest way to do that is actually head over to our website. It's studentministrypodcast.com. While you're on there, you'll see a few different buttons. Click whichever one applies to you, whether it's Apple, Android, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever. Click on one of those buttons. It'll take you over to the appropriate place where you can subscribe, and that way you never miss an episode. And of course, while you're on the website, you can actually check out a few other things. The biggest thing I want to tell you about is our resources section on the website, where I got a bunch of different recommended books, blogs, and other podcasts that you can definitely check out. All of them tailor-made for youth pastors, youth ministers, youth workers. So definitely check that out. Again, the website is studentministrypodcast.com. All right, let's dive into the content for today's uh, episode. Super excited to bring you an interview I had a chance to do with John Nielsen. Uh, A little more than a year ago, uh, almost a year and a half ago now, I actually had a chance to attend the Gospel Coalition Conference here in Orlando, Florida. And uh, one of the breakout workshop speakers was a guy by the name of John Nielsen. And I was re- thought he really did a great job, fantastic job talking about uh, some elements of student ministry. So excited that I had a chance to interview him. Uh, John Nielsen is currently the ministry director at Princeton University for Princeton Faith in Action. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, that is a, a part of the Christian Union. If you're not familiar with the Christian Union, that is a, a campus ministry and Christian leadership development ministry uh, that's focused on serving and ministering students at, at the Ivy League schools. So they have a, a strong presence at all eight uh, Ivy League schools are on the campus at all those uh, at all those schools, and so John is at Princeton University ministering to students there. He's a longtime veteran in pastoral ministry and, and student ministry. He has served in a variety of different roles over over many years in youth ministry. Uh, before he was at Princeton, he served as the college pastor at College Church in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, as well as serving as a director of training for the Charles Simeon Trust. If you're not familiar with that, it's a great organization uh, really aimed at equipping and training preachers to be great Bible expositors. John was a part of that ministry. Uh, Recently, John uh, co-wrote a book with Cameron Cole, Cameron was actually our guest back in episode two, and they were both uh, the general editors and primary contributors for a great gospel-centered student ministry book that you'll hear more about in the interview in just a moment. If you haven't got a chance to check out episode two, go go check out the interview with Cameron Cole. That was some fantastic content. Uh, John Nielsen has been a contributor 
obviously at the Gospel Coalition events, as I mentioned, and on the Gospel Coalition blog. And so you can follow his work uh, on the blog there. He's got an MDiv from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and he's got a strong track record in in uh, investing in other ministers, particularly uh, preachers and student ministers. And so the content in this interview is going to be well worth your time. So without further ado, my interview with John Nielsen. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining, man. Thanks, Kenneth. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, really excited. I was con- I was uh, connecting with some people over at Crossway, one of the publicists there, and said, hey, we'd love to get a chance to book some great new people for the show. And she said, I've got the perfect guest for you. And she recommended you to me. So, uh, John, you've written a new book on student ministry and the idea of having gospel-centered youth ministry. And so want to dive into that. Maybe just take a, you know 30 seconds or a minute or so and just tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, and then what led to the process of writing the book. Yeah, great. Thanks. Well, grew up in the Chicago area. I uh, lived there pretty much my whole life. Met my wife in the city of Chicago. Great city. We love Chicago. Um, but really pretty, pretty quickly out of college, graduated from Wheaton College um, and, and began work in student ministry right away. First as an intern, then kind of as an assistant pastor in Chicago. And then I was on staff at a church, uh, college church in Wheaton, uh, about 30 minutes outside of Chicago for about the last six years, three years, three years as a high school pastor, um, then three years as college pastor. So during those years, especially um, just started to do a lot of thinking uh, about how we do youth ministry, especially in the context of the local church, um, how we do it well, what works, what what brings lasting change in, in the lives of students, um, and just how we do this in a gospel-centered way. Um, I got connected with a guy named Cameron Cole uh, maybe a couple years ago through some kind of gospel coalition circles. Cameron is a youth director in Birmingham. Alabama, and we just started talking and kind of dreaming together about what it would look like to bring together some different guys to to collaborate on a book project that would be really practical, um, kind of a practical guide for youth youth workers that would show them how to do every aspect of youth ministry in a really gospel centered way. Um, and so, what resulted is what what Crossway and TGC is is coming out with. Um, That's incredible. As a youth pastor, as someone who has spent the bulk of my adult life in youth and young adult ministry, I am ecstatic about getting gospel-centric you know, youth ministry resources. In my opinion, most youth ministry resources are not as gospel-centered as I would wish they were. And so that's really exciting. I know that there is kind of a, a small segment and a growing segment of Christians within Western Christianity that are kind of saying we really ought to ought to not have specific youth ministry, student ministry, whether it be youth group, traditional, or even in some cases I've heard people say that the campus ministry thing is not as valuable as, as we make it out to be. And and there's something about that that disagrees with that. Maybe it's just because I make my living in youth ministry that I am selfishly opposed to that. Uh, maybe the Lord needs to convict my, my heart on that. Um, but you tell me, what are your thoughts on why should the church even, even you know uh, entertain the idea of having a youth or young adult ministry of some sort? Yeah, that's a great question. And you definitely see both poles of that, don't you? I mean, you've got some people who are who are um, pushing the kind of, hey, everything in the context of the church needs to be the full integration of the family at every level and everything that's going on in the church. Um, and that's awesome. We're all about, you know, our, we've got three little kids. We love to do things together. We love to share in ministry together. Um, but yeah, it's my conviction that there is a place for 
contextualized ministry of some sort, really at every level and in all different ways in the context of the church. That includes youth ministry. Um, I do think that you know, it's a little bit hypocritical sometimes for us as adults to say, no, we can't have any place where just the youth are getting kind of age-specific teaching and discipleship. When we naturally break off into our own um, kind of subsets in so many other areas, small right. groups and things like that. Um, so we're finding people that we connect with, with whom we can walk um, walk in Christ. Um, so anyway, I think there it, it is my strong conviction that there's a place for biblical gospel-centered youth ministry, youth-specific ministry. Um, I will say that when that's done well, it does lead into um, the youth connecting with the wider church congregation. It has to. So those should never be, it should never be fully kind of segmented off. Um, but there's a place for um, age-specific teaching. There's a place for a group of men and women, young men and women maybe, discipling the young people in an intentional way and walking with them and all of their struggles and school and relationships and everything they're dealing with. Um, so I would say um, let's, not, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to, you know, okay, some youth programs have gone wrong. Um, but there's still a huge place in, in connecting um, youth to the, to the wider congregation, even through a, a youth ministry. Man, that's some really, really great thoughts. Um, you know, as someone who's worked in youth ministry for, for many years, I, I too have seen lots of problems, lots of issues. Kind of what you just said, there's no doubt there have been, there have been problems, there have been issues. Um, but maybe it's not appropriate to say, let's throw it all out just because maybe we haven't always done it right. Um, in fact, as I look at the New Testament, I see the church doing lots of things wrong. Uh, I take great comfort, actually, in that. I think churches have gotten things wrong. Uh, I know I've gotten many things wrong in my lifetime, um, and and Lord knows it would not be appropriate to just throw it out just because I maybe haven't gotten it perfectly right. With that said, what are some of the areas that you have traditionally seen, whether your own experience or guys you've you've talked to, uh, maybe an area where youth pastors or youth leaders— or young adult pastors, whatever the you know whatever context they're in, have maybe gone awry. Where are some of the problems that have arisen, and what has maybe led to some of those problems? Yeah, we 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 see. I've seen a ton of mistakes in youth ministry, and I've made a lot of them myself. So when you hear me, you know, put my finger on a few of these. Don't hear me saying that I'm pointing at other people because I'm including myself in some some of these failures. But one one would be one clear one that I've seen. And I think it's a trend that's changing, and we're trying to kind of ride that wave with this book. Um, but it's it's the tendency to feel as youth minister, ministers, as youth workers, that our primary, I guess, mechanism for getting students engaged with the gospel, with Jesus, with the Bible, is to entertain them first. Um, that kind of our key is to is to keep them entertained, to keep them primarily having a good time, having fun, laughing. Um, and that's the way we've got to bring them into um, to bring them into the fold. Um, I think that actually a lot of youth ministers are beginning to realize, and this is a healthy thing. It's something we talk about in the book that we actually can't compete with our culture um, when it comes to entertainment. That's a so great if they, point. If they want entertainment, they're going to find it in other places, and it's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot funnier. It's going to be a lot better done than whatever we can do on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night in youth group. Um, the students who are engaging with Scripture, the students who are there, the students who actually want to pursue a relationship with Jesus, want the meat. They want the depth of you know biblical teaching, and they're not afraid of tough theological questions. They want to talk about sin and heaven and hell and 
God's wrath and grace and forgiveness. Um, so I, th- I think we're moving away. We want to be moving away from an entertainment-based youth ministry to a just, hey, let's give them the depth of what the Bible actually has to offer to their lives. Man, it's um, really great. Yeah. I'll just add one more thing to that, and that would be that, um, you know, again, moving away from that entertainment to I think that a lot of youth ministries have really failed to equip and train the students during their years in youth ministry to start doing gospel work themselves. So there's been primarily the role of the youth pastor or youth worker to kind of feed them, to be the sage who has all this wisdom to pass on to them, instead of really actively thinking about how do we do the Ephesians 4 work of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. So part of our role as youth pastor, I, I talk about this in my chapter in the book, part of your role as youth leader is to actually help the students begin to do the ministry themselves, whether that's teaching the Bible, leading a Bible study, sharing the gospel, serving others, pursuing justice in a gospel-centered way. We've got to be trainers as well as teachers uh, in youth ministry. Uh, man, I, I love that idea. Um, I happen to have come from a really unique youth ministry experience where my youth pastor, when I was in high school, did a lot of that. I mean, we were, we were, we were really engaged. And I, I think I sometimes, I, I just assumed that was normal. And as I've kind of traveled and had more experience in life, I realized like what an incredible gift my youth pastor gave me that most people don't get the chance to do. And so I, I look back on think if youth pastors do that, man, that that'll be, it'll be profound in the lives of a lot of youth and young adults. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, shift gears quickly. Let me ask you about parents very quickly, uh, just for a moment. I know a lot of youth pastors I've heard say things like, man, I just can't get parents on board. Why do you think youth pastors struggle to get parents on board and how do, and how do we shift that paradigm? Yeah. Some of it's their fault and some of it's the parents' fault. So, so I think it can be the youth, the youth leader's fault when steps are not taken to actively connect with the parents. So, so one, some of my best, um, connections with parents came when I kind of opened myself up to grabbing breakfast with a dad of, of one of my students or, you know, meeting with a couple, you know, a mom and a dad and just asking them about, hey, wh- what do you see in your, in your, you know, your daughter's life? What do you see in your son's life in terms of his struggles? How, how do you kind of evaluate his walk with the Lord right now? Um, so, so when I started taking that step, the other thing we started to do to connect with parents is we would send out, I would actually after I would give my message on a Wednesday night at youth group, I would write out my message word for word and then email it out to the parents and wow. say, hey, this is what we taught your students on Wednesday night. We want you guys to talk about this. I want you to know exactly what I'm teaching them from God's word so that you can keep me accountable and so that you can chase down some of these ideas and some of these applications with them. Um, so I think there's a lot more the youth pastor or the youth leader can do to connect with parents. Um, but the other problem can come on the parent side, and, and I think we talk about this too a little bit in the book, is that too many parents feel like, okay, I've gotten my kid to this point, and now I'm handing them off to their youth leader, please right. be their cool you know, mentor and discipler during their high school years. My work is done. I'm washing my hands. Will you please save my kid or fix my kid or whatever, rather than seeing it as a partnership, especially even through those high school years. So I think there, we make mistakes on both sides of that relationship, yeah. parents and youth pastors, yeah. I know when I was a youth pastor in my early 20s, uh, I, I, I remember thinking, and I look back on this, how arrogant actually it was. Like, yeah. I, I'm the spiritual pastor. I'm the leader. Um, and actually, I, I believe, it, I, I can't remember if it was you or Cameron in the, at the Gospel Coalition last year in the workshop, 
that said something that said something to effect and really challenged me. He said, I can't imagine there's a youth pastor in America that's going to love the kid more than the parent will. (laughs) Yeah. What a great thought. I thought, you know, the reality is I, I think I used to see parents as an obstacle. And once I started partnering with them, it became really easy, actually. Yeah. When I realized that I'm a supplement to their spiritual growth, not the main course, I just I'm here to be a resource to parents and families as they disciple and shepherd their kid. Um, if the parents could understand that and I understood it, it, it actually works way more simpatico there than than if yeah. I'm trying to be the show. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's a sense of humility um, that has to go with that on both sides. I mean, sometimes parents need to actually humble themselves a little bit and say, okay. It could be possible that that there's someone else who could speak into my child's life, maybe with a little bit of a different tone and a little different slant. And actually, God's going to use that in an even more powerful way right. in some ways than he's used me in these last you know teenage years or whatever. But there's also humility from the youth leader's side to say, hey, I am coming alongside you. I'm not the cool leader who's meant to replace your role in your student's life, but we're doing this together, and I want to actually reinforce what you're giving them, if it is indeed you know, biblical teaching. I love those thoughts. Uh, John, last question, and we could spend several minutes on this, but you kind of really tackle the idea, what does it really mean to be gospel-centered? I know that's a term, particularly um, those of us who are in reform circles, that's yeah. a term that gets thrown around a lot, but I think we assume people know what that means, and, and I think a lot of people— or maybe are just afraid to ask, like, what the heck do you really mean by gospel-centered? Um, and so can you unpack what is gospel-centered student ministry versus not gospel-centered student ministry? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that in a couple ways. It's a great question because you're right. Gospel, you know, really in the last 15 or 20 years has become, we hear it ad nauseum, you know. I mean, it's everything. It's a noun, an adjective, even a verb sometimes. So, I mean, we're talking about it all the time. Um I mean, biblically, gospel means good news. It's something that's declared. It's the good news that really is centered around, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, the death of Jesus for sins, his resurrection from the dead, and all of that being in accordance with the scriptures. So God's plan throughout history culminates in the substitutionary death of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. So it's about Jesus. It's about his work. That's the message, the good news that's proclaimed. Um, Really practically, and this is kind of the macro level, in youth ministry, the main way I think that gets worked out in every area, no matter what you're doing, is that a gospel-centered youth ministry will be primarily about heart transformation, then leading to behavior modification, Mm. rather than the other way around. Far too often, we are building youth ministries on um, entertainment, get kids in the door, and then let's try to jump right to behavior modification, right? Yep, so yep. let's let's try to get them to be better people. Let's try to teach them how to stay out, stay away from drugs and alcohol. Um, don't have sex until you're married. So we're leading our cutting edge is behavior modification, and we're missing the heart transformation that has to come first when we actually have a a saving interaction with Jesus Christ. So we're leading with the gospel. We're leading with repentance and faith. And then that is working its way out in changed lives uh, and, and lives of obedience as disciples to Jesus. Man, I I agree with you 100. percent And I think I know I've been guilty of that in the past that we kind of get to the behavior modification, particularly when you have a parent saying, "Oh, my my kid was caught doing this, or my kid do this." Yeah, you feel this pressure. I know I've been, I've kind of succumbed to that several times in my life. Uh, how does this impact your preaching specifically? How how does someone take this idea and say, "Okay, I I agree with you, John. I want to adopt that." How does that practically impact how they speak to their to their teenagers or their students on a regular basis? 
Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you one example. We've got a guy on staff here with us at Princeton, one of our ministry fellows, James Fields. He's a great, great guy, great brother in Christ. But his phrase that he's always hitting the, you know, the Princeton students with, and it works in high school too, is um, you need to be to do, not do to be. So, so one practical way it works out, I think, in our teaching is constantly calling the Christian students, the, one who have, the ones who have given themselves to Christ, you know, reminding them of their identity in Christ. You are children of God. That is, that is what you are. That's what John says. Um, and then you begin to learn to live out of that identity in Christ rather than um, doing to be. In other words, trying to earn an identity as a child of God. Right. Um, and so it comes back to that in so many passages, a lot of the New Testament epistles, that's how they work themselves out. But then it comes back into even so many of the Old Testament passages. I mean, if you look at the law, the giving of the law, the giving of the commandments in Exodus, um, so often we, we think about the law in Exodus as if God is saying, hey, this is what you guys got to do to be my people. And we forget that he's already called them his people. He's already delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He's already parted the Red Sea and delivered them from the armies of Pharaoh. He's brought them out. They are his people. And now he's laying before them his law, the good gift that will actually show them how to live in a relationship with the God who's delivered them. So it's that kind of fundamental order that begins to shape our teaching, really, of any any part of Scripture. Man, um, that's some really great truth, man, remembering that who we are, just starting there, that's the, that's the basis of what everything we do. He has already done this. He's already called us his, and then from there we build the foundation. And so I don't tell a kid to stop doing drugs because I care necessarily about him stopping doing drugs. That might be a good thing, but that's yeah. not like my goal isn't to stop you getting stopping you doing drugs. My goal is so much grander than that. It's that's so much right. bigger than that. That's some really really great stuff. John, man, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out and investing in our audience. Um, I believe this is going to be a tremendous value. If you're listening to this, you can go over to the website studentministrypodcast.com and you can find the episode we did here with John in the show notes we will have a link directly to both to John's contact info as well as uh, the link on Amazon where you can get that book directly. John, thank you so much for taking time out to, to invest in the audience. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, brother. Great to speak with you and share a little about what, what God's doing here and in, in youth ministry. And there you have in my interview with John Nielsen. I thought there were some fantastic things there. I thought he, I, lo- I loved his thoughts on, you know, kind of the, the growing movement of people saying that youth ministry, you know, basically should be done away with. I thought his response was really valuable. Uh, I love the dialogue him and I had a chance uh, to kind of t- dialogue or talk about the fact that we as youth ministers and youth workers, we are a supplement to what God is doing in the family and that we, we ought to really look to partner with parents. I thought he gave some great wisdom there. And then I, I love his kind of closing thoughts on preaching uh, and really uh, really having the gospel be the part, uh, you know, or the kind of the, the meat and potatoes of what we actually do in our preaching and our teaching. I think it's extremely important to remember that we don't want students walking away with just behavior modification, but we want them walking away having fallen in love with Jesus, having been discipled and mentored well so that they walk out into the world 
they know how to love Jesus and, and, and take the gospel and apply it to every arena of their life uh, rather than just having learned a, a few steps on how to do something better, how to, how to not do drugs, how to not have sex before marriage, or how to be a good sibling or whatever other moralistic you know, uh, kind of to-do list you want to give. And again, just to reiterate, and, I, and I'm pretty sure John would agree with this, you know, we're, we're not saying it's bad to teach students how to do some good things in life. We're not saying it's bad to do that. We're just saying that ought to be secondary uh, to everything we for all the effort we put into making sure students understand and become obsessed with the gospel. In addition to that, we also are never devaluing the work of the of, of a youth minister or a youth pastor or any small group leader. Anyone who's investing in the lives of teens or young adults, your work is extremely important. You play a vital role. It's extremely important to remember that your role is secondary and a supplement to what God wants to do in the life of that kid through his, through his or her parents and the lives of the family. Now, certainly, there are some kids who, whose families are, are broken to the point where that, that's extremely difficult to do or there's no relationship with a parent, a parent doesn't love Jesus. So there's definitely some different dynamics that come into play where, where maybe your role shifts. Uh, maybe you take more of a role in some cases. But, but overall, in general speaking, we as youth ministers must always remember that our role is a supplement, not the main course. The main course is what God is doing in the life of that kid and what God is doing in the life or corporately in that family and what God is doing in that kid through his or her parents. And we have an incredible opportunity to, to be a supplement to that. What an incredible truth. I want to encourage every person out there, go, go be a supplement to families, go partner with parents, and make sure that the gospel is centric to everything you do, particularly in your preaching I think it was really valuable wisdom that John gave us. Hey, I want to highly encourage everyone listening to this, head on over to uh, uh, to the website, pick up a copy of John's book. Go to our website, studentministrypodcast.com, look at the show notes for this episode, and you can click the link there. Uh, or you can obviously find it wherever books are sold on Amazon. The Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry, A Practical Guide. Pick a copy up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope this has been insightful, helpful, and resourceful to you. If you have a topic that you'd like me to address on the podcast, or if you've got some great wisdom that you want to share with the audience, please feel free to shoot me an email. The best address is heyortiz at studentministrypodcast.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at studentministrypodcast.com. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best place to do this is on Twitter. I tweet a lot, and I love to connect with you there. Find me there. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Our intro and outro theme music for this podcast has been Actionable by Ben Sound. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been the Student Ministry Podcast.